Well, hello again, wonderful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again today. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing incredible. We have a fantastic episode for you today. We have my friend on, Nick Janicki, and we are talking about the science of float tanks, the organ art harvesting epidemic that's going on in China, and spiritual practices. Nick is the founder of True Rest. It is was voted number seven best new franchise in 2019. Um, it was in Entrepreneur Magazine, and he has a background in meditation, mindfulness, and all things spiritual. So this is a, uh, an incredible episode. We talk about the research of John C. Lilly, the LIBOR Institute. I think I'm saying that right. The Dr. Feinstein research on floating. So we talk about the benefits of floating on PTSD, addiction, stress. Uh, we talk about the organ harvesting that's going on in China right now. That's absolutely awful. Um, we talk about Fallen Dafa, the Free China documentary. We talk about Confucius, uh, the Shun Yen experience, uh, using your past as fuel, um, spiritual practices and how to set up your day and all kinds of things. So this is a tremendous episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please share, um, leave a review on iTunes. They really help. But the best thing that you can do is to do one act of kindness today. If not do three acts of kindness today would be even better. So please do that. I want to thank all of my patrons, thank you so much. I want to thank Patrick Araya. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, right for tossing a buck in the bucket. And Diana, my friend, who I had the privilege and honor to coach for a month, is an extraordinary woman, and I wish her all the best. So thank you so much for contributing and tossing a buck in the bucket. Um, for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, I have designed several programs. The first one is for those of you who are really looking at how to create a life that you're more inspired and passionate about. So how would you transition into um, moving into that thing, that that impulse that you've always wanted to do, but you don't know how to make a living or you even don't even know where to start. You just know that you want to change. Um, even if you're feeling uninspired, you don't know what to do. You don't know what your direction is. Um, I can help with tools and processes that have helped for eons. I'm collecting the best knowledge so that I can share it with you. Then you can go through the process so you can get crystal clear on what it is that you want, what you're excited about, what you're inspired to do, and help you make great leaps and bounds over a three-month term. Um, the few people that I've been working with lately have been doing incredible things. A couple are starting podcasts, two are writing books. So if you're interested in that, um, there are a couple spots open up. I can only take so many. So just hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and we can uh we can just sort it out we'll figure out what you need i'd also like to thank my partner and podcast sponsor the himalaya podcast app they are free they're easy to use they're a great way to listen to podcasts i invite you to turn up the speed for 1.25 uh, some people listen to it at 1.5 i think that's a bit much um, but it's a really great way to listen to podcasts they make curated playlists you have suggested playlists um, it's just such a great way to explore and to find new podcasts to find new episodes and you can you can even make uh, playlists where you have different shows and different episodes and you combine them all. So if you have like five great shows you're listening to, you can prioritize uh, what you want to get through. So it's a really fantastic way to listen to podcasts. Go check them out. And when you're over there, make sure you give the master mind, body and spirit show a follow. And you can find them over on the app store at H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. -A so I think that wraps it up. Um, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we get into the episode. So wherever you are, in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day 
filling yourself with peace, compassion, empowerment, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Nick Janicki. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is the founder of True Rest Franchising, voted number seven best new franchise in 2019, according to Entrepreneur Magazine. True Rest offers flotation therapy and luxury private suites and has helped hundreds of thousands of clients with chronic pain, stress, sleep disorders, anxiety, and depression. Elite athletes and Navy SEALs are using floating for recovery, improved performance, and super learning. He is producing and directing a new mini-series called Floaters, based on floating and its many benefits. The series covers topics such as PTSD, addiction, AI booking, interdimensional beings, gender, neo-Marxism, and running a business. He is part of several nonprofit organizations. Focuses range from ending the illegal practice of forced organ harvesting of Falun Gong spiritual practitioners in China to a revival of traditional arts and music and dance, Welcome to the show, my friend, Nick Janicki. It is good to see you, Matt. Um, I, love, I love the mustache. All we have to do now is just get some good mustache wax and we can, we can match here. Some Absolutely, man. Well, I haven't seen you in a while. And then you, you hit me with that glorious, you know, <laughs> tickler. It's so, it's so good. It was, it was so unexpected. Um, man, it was a treat to read your bio and as a mouthful because you um, are doing so much. We met a few years back in Phoenix when you were taking on a very ambitious project, you wanted to create a, a big event or festival around raising awareness about the organ harvesting that's going on in China. And yes. I didn't even know that this was happening. And I feel like yeah. I'm pretty on the pulse of some things like, wait, this is happening. And you sent me a bunch of articles and you educated me. And then on top of that, you were already doing very well with the float tanks and, and that research, right? You build your own float tanks, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So why don't we just start a little bit about you and like, you know, how you got to what you're doing today, man, because it's a lot of stuff. Uh, it's, it is a lot of stuff. It's funny. So uh, reading the bio out loud, I'm going, wow, that's dense. Maybe I need to pick a couple things. And at the end of it, I think I put, you know, Nick likes romantic walks, hiking on the beach and scuba diving. I think you left that part out. But um, no, just kidding. So the most, the most important bit, I, should, well, I, I did actually shorten it a little bit. There's a, there's a lot. But yeah, man, you're, you're doing a lot of things. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny too, as a, as a human, I'm, I'm someone that is always down on myself. So I, in my, the back of my head, I always have a little piece of, Hey, I'm not worthy and all this stuff. So it's, it's always nice to have people of like minds such as yourself kind of go, Hey, you're doing good work. Keep it up. You know, let's do this together. Um, so for me, a little bit of my background is I was working 70 hours a week in IT, I was driving 45 minutes uh, one way into Phoenix and got to a point where I literally sat down one day after a couple of years and just said, I really need a hint. I have an entrepreneurial background. Uh, I've been in IT, I've been in um, uh, you know, program management, uh, auditing businesses, so uh, you know, vast array of, uh, of different things, commercial real estate, and I said, I really need a hint. And um, this was when we were doing Xinyin, to bring up your, your point. And I wasn't as involved at that point because I couldn't be. And I'll come back to Xinyin a little later. But I saw this Joe Rogan video. And this Joe Rogan video was where he had a samadhi tank at his house. Um, and he basically talked about going through a, a pattern, like a flower of life or some sacred geometry, losing his ego in its entirety 
and essentially entering another realm. Then he returned back and you know, talked about floating for the next 10 years. So I say that really there's uh, Glennon Lee Perry with Samadhi Tank. They've been carrying the torch since the 70s. Uh, but Joe Rogan uh, and Shoshana, of course, uh, Joe Rogan's the one that really was able to keep this in the mainstream in terms of a conversation. And if you talk to any float center that opened between 2010 and about 2014, half of them heard about floating through the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, which is incredible. So in 2008, um, I heard this podcast and I have a 20 year meditation background, which I can get into later. And basically it took me six months to find a location. So what I discovered, um, and you floated, right, Matt? Have you, yes. Oh, yeah, I yeah, sure. floated a few times. So uh, there were no places to float. There was one uh, facility in Canada, believe it or not, and there was 14 in the entire United States. Uh, and that's it. So it took us six months to find a place to float. My wife and I went to Sedona. It was a private complex. Uh, we floated, and I had an extraordinarily wonderful deep meditation experience. And I thought, wow. I did that without trying. It was one of the deeper meditations. Uh, food tasted better. My senses were revived. Uh, you know, I was in this just euphoric mood. I literally got out and I think I was just like, oh, this, is, this is okay. And just days of euphoria afterwards. And I thought, holy cow, if someone made this a spa-like service, if this became mainstream, this could help hundreds of thousands of people. And as I started doing research on John C. Lilly and everything he got into, he eventually went into uh, work with dolphins and whales and he did some great work with them. Um, but I really realized that this is something that could be a part or a piece of the puzzle for the shifting of uh, humankind's consciousness. Um, and so that's really at the core of who I am and the core of my mission is how do we continue to uh, strip people from the uh, victim mentality? How do we strip people away from pain and have them realize like, oh, wow, I'm here on a mission. And whatever word you want to use to identify with that, uh, God or the divine or uh, vows, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're doing, doing the work. So I immediately wrote a business plan. I traveled to the UK, tried a bunch of different pod manufacturers, and we eventually opened the first center in 2010. And uh, at that time, nobody had heard of floating. Nobody knew what it was. Our friends and family thought we were absolutely insane, uh, maxed out credit cards, took all the money out of our 401k. Uh, my wife, uh, I was gonna say my wife at the time, but we're still married. So my wife and my still wife, you know, I basically asked her, you know, do you mind uh, maxing out our 401k and risking our entire life and you know, taking everything out of our house to start this crazy business that no one's heard of where you sit in sensory deprivation? And she's like, yeah, it sounds great. I, I might be paraphrasing. <laughs> Slightly, but very, very supportive. So she's been with me the whole way. And um, it worked, right? So people started floating and they, they loved it. And people were getting rid of chronic pain. They're getting rid of anxiety, depression. It did far more than I would have ever anticipated. Um, so that's kind of our, our origin story with, with floating. In 2015, to kind of round out the story, I had an investment group uh, approach me uh, and it was a Peter Thomer, uh, an investment group with uh, Peter Thomas. He started Century 21 in um, Canada. Very nice man, very smart man. Um, eventually we decided we wanted to do it, do it by ourselves. We didn't want the big investor to come in. We really wanted to do this with our own sweat equity. 
And so uh, Jim Rowe, who's now the CEO of franchising, um, basically we, we had a conversation after the, the fund, uh, we turned down the fund basically and he said, hey, do you wanna go in 50-50 on TrueRest franchising? And I said, yes, absolutely. Um, and from there, we've basically grown now TrueRest from that one location in 2009, 2010, uh, we opened February 2010 actually, uh, to now 33 locations open in 16 states. We'll have 50 locations open by the end of this year. And to your point, we are voted the number seven best new franchise of 2019 in Entrepreneur Magazine. So for me, it's just like, whoa, um, it's amazing. And I feel just kind of blessed to even be a part of it. Uh, and I really think of a business and True Rest as its own separate creative identity now. So me, Nick Janicki, I don't, I don't own True Rest. It's its own entity. It has its own life. Um, and then my goal is to just like a child is to just sort of figure out how to get it to where it needs to go and fulfill the greatest mission it can. So as I said earlier, I really think floating is a piece of the puzzle. Uh, it doesn't require dogma. It's something you just literally go in. Uh, if you have an, an, an intent such as addiction recovery or anything like that, um, you know, it's, it's extraordinary. And um, so that's kind of how we got into floating. That's where we are now. Um, happy to talk more about the, the technology, uh, about Shenyin. Um, so originally in the beginning, uh, you notice I talked about uh, Shenyin Performing Arts. So I would love to, to talk to, to you about that a little bit, unless you want to interject and you have some questions about, about that first part, but. Yeah, man, well, I'll, I'll just make a comment and, and just first of all, congratulations. And what I love about uh, your success in the, in the true rest is number one, you know, you're, you're sharing all these entrepreneurial uh, insights too. It's like, it's not an easy road. You know, you read the bio and it's just like, yeah, we're like number seven and we're kicking all kinds of butt. It's like, yeah, but also there's this time where we've risked everything. It would, which was meaningful to you. Like, you know, I see something and I want to help. And what I love about it is it is a service that helps. It's something that you believe that can help someone in their life and that it's not there. So the fact that culturally we're starting to know more about it, you know, Joe Rogan kind of like planting the seed and then people like you taking it to a next step and then people experiencing it and seeing what comes about it. And I like what you said about not having dogma because a lot of people struggle with meditation. They struggle with like, what is a spiritual practice? What religion do I take? How do I connect? with God or the divine and all this kind of stuff and and true rest what it does for me or floating is it creates an environment that makes it much easier to experience those states without having a meditation practice without doing all these things without wondering if you're breathing right or all the stuff that goes with like a meditation practice which I also recommend as well so um, there's just a lot of great great points in there so I'm super excited about your success and um, spreading that technology worldwide the one question I just wanted to ask before going into Shunyan and I definitely want you to talk about that is um, in your research of doing the um, researching float tanks float spas have you come across like any compelling hard science about like what it does like as far as brainwave states or or um, healing I know that there are like literally thousands of testimonials of people having very profound experiences. You could share one or two if you want, but you know, for like hard science of like what it can help you do. So you can just go in there completely confused and then have it, you know, and have an understanding of what it might do for you. So the best resource for this is a, uh, the LIBOR Institute. Uh, the LIBOR Institute is Dr. Justin Feinstein. And this, uh, the website is uh, flotation. Um, oh gosh, I just forgot it. Flotation research, flotation, 
oh gosh, I'm gonna have to find it. Uh, but I'll find the link for you. Um, and basically what this is, if you look up LIBOR or Dr. Feinstein and floating, you're gonna, you're gonna find his website. And what this website does, he has basically broken down over the last 40 years, all of the white papers, all the white reports, all the research is on this website. Uh, he's, got a, he's getting a lot of exciting stuff coming out uh, that is uh, you know, double blind test study research coming out for the scientific community. And he right now is at the forefront of pushing, to your point, the scientific data. And so we're seeing um, easily we can prove that you're getting into a theta brainwave state with floating. That's now unquestionable. Uh, there's lots of ways to do this. He's doing it with live EEG scans during the float session. So he's now able to see exactly what's happening in the brain while you're floating. Uh, the study that came out uh, last year, I believe, was uh, specific to shutting down uh, certain areas of the brain and other areas of the brain lighting up. So those areas of the brain specific to addiction, as an example, are shutting down. The areas uh, specific to creativity are lighting up. Now, to get into more scientific detail, go, go read the, uh, the research uh, online. But um, that, that's a link I'll send you and you can, you can post it later. Um, so the, he's at the forefront of that. And it's, it's incredible the research that's being done. I know uh, Dr. Raz Lab, uh, he he's started uh, doing some research in this. There's some other research institutions now that have gotten in. I know there is a, a, a article published about fibromyalgia is another one. Uh, so you're really talking about being able to solidify data now for PTSD, anxiety, depression. Uh, and one of the most interesting things that came from his report last year is they did a, a test with, I believe, 40 or 50 participants um, specific to leaving the lights on or turning the lights off. And what they found is that if you leave the lights on and you float for one hour, it's equivalent to an anti-anxiety medication. The difference being it lasts for up to 20 hours. If you turn the lights off, it's equivalent to an antidepressant, which also lasts up to 20 hours. And to him, he was absolutely blown away that it was able to have effects uh, that that powerful. That's interesting, man. Well, uh, yeah, I'll definitely, I, I looked up his, uh, his website. It's uh, Dr. Feinstein, F-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Yep. And so, yeah, there, I know that there are a lot of studies. I figured you'd be the man to ask about those, but it's what it makes me think about is getting to uh, our natural state, you know, yeah. like the body heals itself. When you cut, when you cut yourself, you don't say, Oh, form a scab and, and blood clot and do all the magical stuff your body does. Um, we have an intelligence and innate intelligence within our body. And what we need to do is we need to get out of the way of that. You know, we can't think our way to heal the cut. We can't think our way out of a lot of things. And it allows you to access a different part of your mind or a different part of your body's intelligence or something. And it seems that floating again, creates that environment to invite that intelligence to come forth. 100% and you, you, you got it, right? So we're either being influenced by the environment or we ourselves are influencing the environment. So if you're in a state of illness, uh, you're essentially being influenced by the environment. But as you grow your own uh, energy field, you're now able to influence the environment around you. So one of my favorite sayings, uh, I believe it's a Buddhist saying, is that being ill is an abnormal state. And I love that. We've accepted illness as, as a normal state that requires medication uh, that treats the, not the root cause, but the symptom. And, you know, I love the idea of being ill as an abnormal state. And when I first started meditating, um, you know, it was, it was shocking to me. So I was 20, about 20, 19, 20, I'm 40 now, uh, when I started meditating. And, I, and that's when I started practicing Falun, Falun Gong as well. 
So I tried a lot of different spiritual practices and um, all of them were great. Um, and then I fundamentally, I picked up the book, uh, Jean Falun, which means rotating the law wheel and just read it for hours and hours and hours straight. And basically what happened is uh, when I put it down, all this like thought karma came out, right? But I was being the observer of, of the thoughts rather than having the thoughts control me. And the very next day I had a test and that test was me in the shower as a 19 year old man. And I had a very strong thought that said, pick up the razor and kill yourself. And I thought, hmm, after reading that I'm the observer of my thoughts, that seems very strange. And so I based, you know, and it very strongly said, no, no, kill yourself. And I had then fear. So then fear, the emotion of fear came in. And then I, I basically sent righteous thoughts. And I sent righteous thoughts for a good 30 seconds, a minute. The fear started to dissipate. The thoughts started to dissipate. And I was kind of free from that. So then the fear came back in again and tried to control me. So I sent righteous thoughts for another minute or two in the shower. And bluntly, that thought has never come back ever again in the last 20 years. So I realized I have full control over my emotions, the thoughts that I experience. Um, and it got to a point where I had a headache and I was able to sit in meditation for an hour, concentrate on the pain in my head. This may, maybe sounds ridiculous to some, but not to others, and actually move the pain around right and then eventually get to a point where i could concentrate on it and then it would just uh disappear um so uh as a human i really know that everything has an underlying cause and reason and if we upgrade our moral character our heart nature whatever you want to call it which is called uh, xing xing in chinese that's i think the essence of cultivation that's the essence of ascension that's a, that's beautiful, man. Well, you said a lot of things there that I definitely <laughs> want to touch on. And one of them, I got to remind, remind me to ask you about, you shared some wild stories coming out of China once when we were, when we were getting into that project and we we're talking about the organ harvesting and you shared some um, pretty amazing things. You know, what you're basically speaking about is, you know, when I'm teaching snowboarding or like, that's why I like sport because it's really finite is like, if you focus on falling on your head and you want to try a new trick, you're probably going to do that. If you focus on what it is you prefer, you're going to increase the probability uh, by a very high margin. And sometimes you still might fall, but you're experimenting with the limits of what you can do with your body. And the same goes with healing and Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, but it's, it's, yeah, it's observing our mind, what it does and setting the intention, setting your energy there. Otherwise you're kind of like um, in a bit of a passive victim stage, like this is just going to be happening to me. There's no way that I can affect this. And what you're kind of inviting is the opposite of that. And I like how in, um, the Eastern cultures, it's a lot about virtue, you know, virtuous thoughts, uh, righteous thoughts. The, uh, I think it's the Buddhist eightfold path and are the, um, but the eight, what are the eight something. Transmigration, uh, the, uh, you know, it's like right, right speech, right thought, right, uh, livelihood, those things. And it just makes sense. And so you can use that as a mental power as well. So there are a lot of really great um, concepts that you brought up. So what I want you to kind of embellish on or, or share is you talked a little bit about Falun Dafa. You can maybe share a bit about that practice, but also, you know, your work with Shen Yin and, and that whole story, because that opens up a huge bag of worms. <laughs> yes, it does open a huge bag of worms. Uh, it's funny. I had my mustache rubbing against this. I don't think it took. It's just like, choo, 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 just like nah, I wouldn't notice. I, I, was, I was getting mesmerized by the stash, man. We're just going to have to stay here. You know, this is going to be one of those podcasts that the viewer should uh, watch for extra viewing pleasure. Oh man, that's hilarious. Uh, 
But yeah, so uh, uh, Falun Gong or Falun Dafa. So this is actually a terminology issue that can confuse a lot of people. Uh, it's one, one in the same. So Falun Dafa. Uh, so it's a Chinese word, right? So Fa is the way or the law or the Tao. Uh, Lun is wheel and Dafa, Da is great. So it's roughly translated to the great way of the law wheel. Uh, and that's more the formal name. Now, Falun Gong is essentially the um, Qigong name. Um, and what that basically means is um, there's a lot of Qigongs that came out in the 80s and they just named it such and such gong um, because they didn't want to mix with feudalistic ingredients into it because they didn't want to be persecuted. So I can get into a little bit of that. Um, I'm just curious, can you hear the uh, background noise or is it okay? There's someone- I can hear it a little bit, it's not too bad. We'll see, they shouldn't be too long. But um, basically this uh, practice came out in China in 1992. And this was passed down from one chosen master uh, to a chosen disciple uh, since prehistory. So, you know, before, well, let's not get into that, but a long time ago. Uh, and in 19, <laughs> yeah, 1992, this came back out to the public. Uh, and Master Lee would give nine day lecture seminars where we'd just talk about principles and teach the exercises. And these principles were things like um, the root of uh, karma, uh, the difference between virtue and karma, what is gong or spiritual energy, the celestial eye. Um, and the primary thing he taught was the cosmic characteristic, which he summarized in three words, which is in Chinese, jen, shan, ren. And in English, that essentially means truthfulness, compassion, forbearance. And he said, those are essentially the spirit of the universe. And to cultivate, you cultivate those three characteristics. Um, so this came out in 1999, or excuse me, 1992 in China, grew very, very quickly, grew to uh, 60 to 70 million people in China practicing in, by 1998, which is incredible. So if you look up uh, pictures of Falun Gong in the early 90s, you see tens of thousands of people in the parks meditating together, um, which is just awesome. And so this practice, um, unfortunately, was against the communist ideology. Uh, so when Mao came out in the 40s, the uh, communist regime essentially would target different parts of society that they considered a threat. Uh, so it started with the counter intellect or the intellectuals, the counter revolutionaries, um, the Tiananmen Square massacre everyone's heard of in 1989. That's where you get a picture of Tank Man. And then uh, 1998, Falun Gong started to be targeted. So persecution in China, unfortunately, is nothing new. Um, and it's, it's a governmental thing. It's not the Chinese people. The Chinese people are some of the most beautiful, compassionate people on the planet. And they have a 5,000 year old history. Communism is only 60 years old. Um, so that's, I think, important to remember. So these groups started getting uh, broken up in, um, I believe it was uh, March, uh, I believe, of 1999, 10,000 people showed up in Zhongnanhai, which is basically the Washington, D.C. of China. And these are all Falun Gong practitioners. Um, and, and imagine, you know, now people are starting to be broken up. People are getting arrested for practicing. 10,000 people show up of their own volition. Um, and out of 70, 80 million at that time, it's really not that many. And they basically said, uh, we're Falun Gong practitioners. They weren't particularly protesting. They didn't have signs. The premier at the time came out, said, um, okay, uh, we know who you are. Uh, you should be able to practice freely. Please go home. So uh, they went home. They thought, wow, the Chinese government's really changed. We have freedom of belief here. This is great. <laughs> hmm. I think you know where this is going. 
So in July 20th, 1999, um, they released something called the 610 Office. And this was released by Jiang, Jiang Zemin at the time. And this is a Gestapo-like organization. Their public mission statement is to defame, demoralize, and destroy Falun Gong practitioners. So they banned the practice, they made it illegal, um, they spread a nationwide propaganda campaign against Falun Gong. Uh, they turned daughters against mothers, family members against each other. Uh, and at any given time, there's hundreds of thousands of practitioners in labor camps, even to this day. Uh, there's tons of great documentaries about this, if people are interested. Uh, Free China is a great documentary about this topic. Uh, if you want to really research it, there was a report released in 2016 by David Matus, who's a human rights lawyer, and uh, David Kilgore, who was the former VP of Asia Pacific out of Canada. And they uh, basically head the investigation uh, for these allegations. And they have, I think, a six or seven or 800 page report on their website, um, just going through and documenting phone calls into China. Uh, they would call Chinese hospitals, ask for Falun Gong organs for organ transplanting. So now this gets into the illegal organ transplanting, right? So everyone's sort of heard of that, but uh, this is being done by the government. These are governmentally run hospitals now that are harvesting the organs of prisoners. Uh, their research shows that 95, 96% of these were Falun Gong. Uh, it's a small percentage of Christians. It's a small percentage of Muslims. Um, and the last organ you take before you die, of course, is the heart. Uh, they usually start with the cornea. Um, and it's, it's, it's incredible what's going on. And, um, you know, it's a really hard story to tell. And there is a film called, um, in the name of Confucius that came out that talks about, uh, this a little bit, as I mentioned, free China, um, and yeah, a lot of great documentaries, but so, yeah, man, well, that's, that's really awful stuff. And, and I, I don't think that everybody knows. I remember like discovering it for myself and then looking into it. And then when I would speak to people about it, they'd be like, what? They'd be like, there's no way that that is actually going on right now. And I didn't know about it. And the, the event or festival that you, you were trying to um, put together was called blacklisted because if you spoke out about it, I think it was like Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt, maybe some other people, I don't know, spoke out and said, Hey, this is actually happening in China. Just so you guys know, then they get blacklisted. They can't go into China because they're basically um, defaming them or whatever. So for, for people who don't know this is going on, can you share some of the statistics and just general information that can look a little deeper, but just it's the numbers are uh, staggering. <laughs> Unbelievable. The numbers are staggering. Uh, a great organization is Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting. Also look up um, David Matus and David Kilgore's website and they have the full 600 page report you can download. Um, but it's insane. And to your point um, with Blacklisted, this was a concert series we were trying to hold in LA. It ended up being that the communist um, government essentially through uh, agents here in the US um, thought that it was quote unquote, too controversial and blacklisted was blacklisted. <laughs> and the irony is great. I actually am kind of glad it ended up that way because it's just a, such a good story, but it, it just goes to show exactly what you're talking about, Matt, that you know, these are things that are going on and mainstream media as a whole is just shutting uh, you know, the door. They're just closing their eyes on this. And um, what we found is one of the things that turned the West against Falun Gong was an incident in 2001 called the self-immolation incident. And this was where the, uh, it was in Tiananmen Square, 
and a supposed Falun Gong practitioner lit, lit himself on fire, right? Um, and um, he was doused out. And when you look at the video and you research it, now there's documentaries that have been made about this, it was completely uh, fabricated. It was a Hollywood studio they created in Tiananmen Square. Um, and this person had fire retarded clothing. He didn't even do the meditation postures right. If he had taken the class for one day, he would have sat differently. Um, and this was shared across Western media. And it pretty much achieved the goal of turning the Western media against uh, the persecution of Falun Gong. Uh, and then since then, um, you know, they've abolished the labor camp system in China uh, a few years back and 160,000 or so Falun Gong practitioners were released when that happened, but they're still being arrested and they're still going missing. So they're not part of the labor camp system, but the persecution is still unfortunately alive and well. Right. And, and I think that in doing some of the research as well, you were sharing that uh, like what are the numbers like just good old like healthy people are getting arrested and then once they're in jail they lose their rights and then that's when the organ harvesting happens of healthy people it's so hard to track the actual numbers so in David Matus and David Kilgore's uh, first report in 2006 they estimated 50 to 60,000 people had been killed for their organs in 2016 they redid the report and it, it appeared to be more like 40 to 50,000 a year um, so the numbers are mind-boggling, um, just just frightening stuff. Yeah, that's terrible. You know, and then, you know, we, we worked on that a little bit and I kind of, you know, you were definitely the head and I was learning about all this stuff. And about, I think a year later, um, I was podcasting and somebody told me about the International Tribunal for Natural Justice. And they said, hey, uh, Matt, we know you got a background in, in uh, social media and uh, crowdfunding. Can you help? We're going to do a crowdfunding campaign for this um, project and I look into the project and basically um, they're looking at organ harvesting, the sex trade, a ritual satanic sacrifice and if an official inquiry inquiry was held in London and all of these, you know, reports and, um, you know, experiencers, uh, there's a different word for it, um, but uh, people who, you know, really high level people who are like even some in the CIA stuff like that are sharing these uh, in terrible stories. That's really general, like not known in, in the public eye. It's just not known. And people are, it's it, the thing is it's systematic. And that's really for me, the, the challenge when it comes to like this systematic thing. And they, I can't remember what they said with the numbers for the sex trade, but it was like a hundred thousand a day go missing, maybe 20,000. I was like, it can't be a hundred thousand a day, but I think they're like, look it up, find it for your number whatever the number was, if it's more than 10, it's too many, but too it was <laughs> thousands. And they're like, no, across the world, like if you go to uh, Africa, Southeast Asia, you know, the very highly populated countries, there's thousands of people. And it's a, these are, if you're going to run that many people, it's some sort of system. There's something in power that is allowing this to run. And we, we need to bring awareness and then ideally do what we can to stop it. So I guess my question would be for you, doing what you could to try to shine some light on things like this, these um, atrocities that are here on planet earth. Like for me, even just if I think about it too much, like just famine, the fact that people are starving to death on this planet is ludicrous to me. The, the fact that we're still at war is ludicrous to me and I just don't get it. And you know, the organ harvesting again is so awful. Um, you know, what's what interesting you, about this question? I love this question. Okay. <laughs> and, and the reason I love this question is it seems that there's so much that we as a community, being the human race, have to worry about that no one individual can conquer any of this. 
And what I tell people is we don't have to go change every mechanism of society because no mechanism will work, be it a governmental structure or whatever it might be, a company, unless people's hearts change. So I think personally, it's starting with yourself. So if I'm someone that sees something wrong happen and I don't allow it, and then the next person doesn't allow it, that, that's what will change the world. It's not a system, it's not a policy, it's the human heart that needs to change. Because no system will work if the human heart doesn't change. This is a very beautiful answer, my friend. Well, I think we'll, if there's anything you want to add on the, um, you know, what's going on with China, um, you, you want to talk about Shen Yin a little bit because the, the idea behind that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well we, there's, cause there's a lot of good stuff too, but you know, it, that's kind of like what life is like when you, you know, they say quote unquote awake. It's just like trying to understand how the world actually works. You know, unfortunately, some things are not for your benefit. Like if you just kind of go and you follow the system, it's probably not going to be your benefit because you're going to be eating McDonald's. You're going to be just going down the system. You're going to be taking all the easy roads. It's like, why would they give you foods that kill you? It's right. like, it was so absurd. I was like, why, why would someone do that? I couldn't understand that. And that's a part of like kind of the waking up process of just understanding what's happening and then what is it that I can do to make a difference if there's an opportunity. And a lot of it, like you said, is, yeah, is, is, it's um, being the best human being that you can be supporting yourself, your family, your community. If there's an opportunity to help even more then absolutely do that. But the more empowered that you can be, the more educated, the more compassionate. And I really like what you said about the heart, you know, the compassionate heart um, that's going to transform the people around you. You know what I mean? Because even in the cities now and in and, and little communities, you could be the one person there that's an actual beacon of light or compassion when everybody else is, you know, becoming afraid of everything that's going on. So do you want to talk a little bit about Shen Yin and, and that kind of project? Because it's pretty cool too. Sure. And so, yeah, for me on a positive note, I try not to get too down about the things that are bad that are going on and put my effort into increasing the good things that are going on. And so for me, Shen Yin is a great example of that, which Shen Yin, um, everyone asks me, why are you involved with Shen Yin? It's a, it's a Chinese uh, dance. It's a Chinese ballet, essentially, right? It's Chinese classical dance. And they go, oh, are you half Chinese? Are you quarter Chinese? And I was like, no, 100% pierogi here, you know. Um, so, uh, but, it, <laughs> but yeah, so for me, it's about the, the mission. And chi uh, Shen Yin is about reviving the 5,000 years of traditional Chinese culture. And part of that is connecting heaven, the arts connect heaven and earth, right? So the, uh, for me, Shen Yin is really about reviving traditional spiritual culture. Uh, integrated with it are these beautiful messages. Uh, there's, a, there's a backdrop, there's 40 dancers, there's 40 people in a live orchestra. And for me, it's just, it's an incredible experience. It literally washes over me like a river. So when I watch Shen Yin, it, it opens my heart, it inspires me, and it's something I look forward to each and every year, and, it, and it's that feeling I get from it. And so that's what I try to associate myself with. So for people that are wondering what to do, associate yourself with people, projects, and things that you feel that inner fire, you feel that, that inner force. And so that's why I'm involved in floating, is I think people, if they start floating more, if they start meditating more, they can get all that surface level stuff off and then go, oh, wait a minute, I am empowered, I am worthy, I can make a change. Um, and really stepping into their own uh, true, true self. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it starts from that place of empowerment, right? Because if you feel really disempowered and like you don't have control of anything, you're, you don't have control of addiction, of your life, of, of anything like that, it absolutely has to start within. If you change your mind, um, then you can change your actions. You're going to change your results. But if you don't start, you know, I like how you also reference the heart as well, you know, having a little bit more compassion for yourself and also, you know, others like what's going on, just also be compassionate for yourself and what you're going through and what you're trying to create an experience. Um, but from an empowered state, you're going to be able to affect a lot more positive change. And you made a really good point on the positive note. It's doing what you can to help. And that's kind of what I've said on the podcast a lot is like, I'm aware of some, some awful things that are really heartbreaking. Um, but whenever I'm presented an opportunity to help, I help. And that's why, you know, I was in helping your project and I was helping the uh, International Tribunal for Natural Justice. And if somebody else shows me a project that's going to help, let's build more good. Let's support whether you're volunteering in your community, whether you're just being nice to your neighbors, maybe you cut their lawn for them. That matters. Like that's meaningful stuff. Maybe you um, do something for the youth that all of that really does count because we're putting chips in the bucket for positivity, for support, for compassion, for growth. Those, those all really matter. But we're kind of, when we isolate ourselves and we're in our own little nook and everything is so terrible and we're afraid of everything it's it's a very disempowering state so where i kind of wanted to go with this was um you know you've been you've been a meditation practitioner for a long time you uh, are a fallen gung or fallen you call it fallen gung or dafa do you have a preference fallen gong or fallen dafa yeah one one in the same yeah, so that's a you know um, a really beautiful practice. Uh, our our mutual friend Lyle did a week doing mm -hmm. it, and he said he had a really great experience with it. I only know a little bit about it, but maybe you can share some of your uh, spiritual practices and your spiritual beliefs for connecting with the divine, um, living in integrity and in, in the virtuous way, all that kind of thing. It's a terribly worded question, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for me, it's about you know, it all comes down to. Uh, we're, we're work in progress, right? So I've gotten to a point now where I just try to do better. And um, there's a great quote by Dan Sullivan, who's kind of the, one of the leader entrepreneur coaches on the planet. And he said, the past is nothing more than fuel for your future. So don't lament over it. Don't uh, beat yourself over, uh, over it. Just use it as fuel for the future. And I love that. Because I think we get so caught up on what, what happened in the past, we can't start building a, a future. And so for me, it's about setting a righteous foundation on, a, on an everyday basis. And for me, that starts with a one-hour full lotus meditation in the morning. Uh, so I get up around, I'm not one of those guys that gets up at like three. I'm just not going to do that. I go to bed too late. But I get up around six. I do a one-hour meditation. I uh, study uh, my spiritual scriptures for a uh, half an hour, hour. I do uh, half an hour to an hour of Qigong in the morning. So before I pick up my cell phone, before I look at my emails, I'm gonna do three hours of foundational building work. And if I do that, I'm in a flow state all day long. Creativity is no issue. My problem is where do I put all my creativity? Um, and you know, so for me, it's about just setting that, that righteous foundation. Um, and then if I don't do those things, um, it's hilarious because I'll go a day or two without meditating as an example, and I'm tripping over uh, steps, tree branches are hitting me in the face, uh, bees are flying in my eyes, you know, whatever it is, ridiculous things. Not really bees flying in my eyes. I'm just, that's a, like a metaphor for something. But, you know, my wife will be like, all right, dude, seriously, I can tell it's time to go meditate. Like, go set your foundation, 
and come back to life. So for me, it's about setting that foundation. And so um, that, that's, that's my key. Uh, that's awesome, man. I've never really heard that uh, put that way before, setting a, a righteous foundation. Is that what you said? Right, righteous foundation. And so Joe Polish uh, is a very good friend of mine. And he talks about setting foundations. And he said, everyone is setting foundations. Uh, most people are just setting terrible ones. You know, you're, you're drinking five beers in the morning and you're eating McDonald's. You're setting a foundation. It's just not a very good one. It's right? the beer belly foundation. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's a very nice one. It's, well, it's the hockey playoffs. So uh, right. I think a lot of the Canadian boys are, are setting their, <laughs> their foundation up. Um, well, could you give like a, a recommendation of like maybe a starter foundation? Because if someone hears an hour meditation, you're like, whoa, Nick, come, calm down, bud. I'm not, right, right. You know, what kind of time do you think I got here? You know, right. if you want to give them like a basic version, I really like the way that you're phrasing it. And I, I mean, it sounds ridiculous because uh, it sounds like I'm pitching my own business, but go, go try floating. It's so easy you know, start with the feeling good. So the reason I love floating is I tell people, when you are having your worst week, you feel the most awful you've ever felt in a month, let's say, that's when you go float, because it works, it works better. So if you go in when you're beat up, um, you feel terrible, when you get out, you're gonna feel amazing. And that's, that's, it's so easy to do. You literally lie there and just don't get the salt water in your eyes and you're good. Um, but yeah, try, try floating. I mean, try True Rest, uh, search for a float center near you. There's lots of great centers, um, and that's a good first step. Um, if anybody's interested in uh, the Falun Gong exercises, everything's available on free. Money is never charged. If you find a local group in your area, it's always done on a volunteer basis. So look up Falun Gong or Falun Dafa on the web. Someone's going to teach you for free. It's all free. All the lectures are free online. All the videos, everything is free, and it's, it's awesome. Why should uh, ascension have a cost, right? <laughs> it's up to your it's up to your heart to to change. But yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, and I, you also use an interesting word, ascension, and reading your bio, and it said something about interdimensional beings. It's like, no way. It's like you're very grounded. It's like he's usually Lyle and I just talking about the craziest stuff ever, more like the grounded part. But when we were going into this and this is just for a mind blower cause I like to add these in because I hear these stories and then I share them, but I'm like, I'm hearing them from people like you, you were setting up like, was it an art exhibit in Phoenix? Yeah. And you were sharing like some of the stories coming out because there's people doing a highly developed spiritual practice. Um, there's these atrocities happening and you're hearing some unbelievable stories come out. Can you share any of those? And what do you think about that? Like, what do you think? Um, Oh, gosh, that's a big one, right? So uh, I, can, I can share some of those. And I think summing it up, though, it's simply that we're in a state where there, it's almost like a tempering process. So my understanding is take everything we've talked about, right? So aligning yourself with good thoughts. And what I say, when you see bad things happening in the world and you get angry, all you're doing is concentrating and manifesting anger, right? So that's not going to help anybody. Uh, so in China, as an example, let's say you're arrested and I have a story that I can tell. I have a friend, um, very good friend, very just radiant man, and he was arrested at the same time as his friend in China. Um, and it got to a point where eventually his friend died in prison, basically before his very eyes, and they didn't touch a single hair on his body. Okay, so kind of what's the, what's the difference? And so every day they would talk about this. His friend would be beaten, his friend would be tortured and nobody touched him. And the difference was he didn't have any fear in his heart. 
and he had nothing but compassion towards the people doing it. Wow, imagine that. Imagine someone beating you and instead of retaliating, you have nothing but compassion and sympathy for them. That's incredible. And so he actually wrote a poem to the warden of the prison. And rough translation, it was just, I'm a fallen bond practitioner. I believe in truth, compassion, forbearance. There is nothing you can do to me physically or mentally that will ever change my mind. And I'm willing to die for my belief. The warden actually came to him in person and said, no one will touch you while you're here. No one will touch a hair on your, your body. So just his state changed the entire prison. Uh, when his friend finally passed away, he had a vision that night in a dream that all the cell doors were open. And this sounds ridiculous. It doesn't even sound real. But he woke up. Uh, he walked out. The prison guard was sleeping. He walked home. Six months later, he found a way through Taiwan and then came to the U.S. And now he lives over here and he has asylum. And uh, there's several practitioners that have stories similar to this that have asylum in Arizona. There's practitioners in every state that have asylum because of the persecution going on. Um, and the stories are miraculous. And I think what that is, is literally um, our true potential as a, as a human being coming through in the most difficult situation. So it's almost like a diamond being tempered. So the more pressure that we take and, and, and you know, not have any negative emotion for it, the, the greater we can grow. And I think any entrepreneur will tell you that, that they, they, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Uh, you ask any entrepreneur and they're like, wow, yeah, you're an overnight success. Yeah, I grinded for 14 hours a day for 10 years. You know, <laughs> I didn't sleep for six weeks, you know, whatever it is. So, Yeah, yeah, that's an incredible story. I remember you sharing that with me. I was like, that sounds pretty ridiculous. But I've, always, <laughs> but I've also heard some really, you know, incredible stories. And who knows, you know, what's the limits of like human potential and also like spiritual potential or like uh, nature or just, you know, whether you want to call it God or divine or whatever, like people will talk about miracles. They don't happen often, but it usually happens. Uh, there are some very extraordinary stories that have existed over time um, from people who hold faith like that. And so my question would be, you know, my, my problem I'll share with people is I get frustrated. I am constantly frustrated. I like to move fast. I don't like dealing with baloney. I, I, I'm challenged. <laughs> people are just like, basically like waste my time or like, you know, or just I'm dealing with nonsense. I'm like, why am I dealing with this nonsense right now? And I get frustrated because I just want to go do the thing that I can do to be productive. And I find like, sometimes I'll get stuck in frustration. Some yeah. people um, might be anger, right? And, it, and it's all external. Then I realize it and I check and I come back, right? But I'm just like, how many times do I got to keep like pinballing, be like frustration, like come back to center, frustrated, come back to center. So what would be your recommendation for someone like me or someone who's like constantly angry? Because if you, Alan Watts has a really great, great quote where he's like, uh, you know, Buddhism isn't life is suffering. It's life is frustrating. And I was like, that makes sense. Cause life does frustrate me. <laughs> so you're, you're in the world. You want to be a good human being. You got to pay the bills. You're figuring out your job. You're figuring out kids. You're figuring out life. Um, how can we apply that in, in that microcosm of an individual's life? Or if you just want to use me as an example, swear into my car or something, <laughs> I got to get to my podcast on spirituality, flip the bird and knock the horn. I don't do that. I usually just keep it inside. <laughs> Uh, no, I have no advice because I'm a, I'm a terrible person. And I have the exact same issue. So uh, <laughs> there's nothing I can say. <laughs> That's it. 
I'm always frustrated. What are you talking about? Uh, but no, it's a process. I think that's it, right? So we're so hard on ourselves. It's like, you know, just, it, I, you know what's interesting? When I first started cultivating, I was literally a hermit. Uh, and cultivation is, is the term of like, you know, having a filter of now, everything I've learned is sort of removed. And now I have a filter that is the fa, that is the Tao, that is the way. So I look at everything through that filter of my understanding of that characteristic. And I actually got to a state where uh, my energy was very strong, but I lost my sense of humor, right? And so everything was very literal. Um, and so I've regained that. And I think I was so hard on myself and I just treated myself like a machine that I had to grind away at. And I think that for me was part of the lesson is like, dude, just have a sense of humor. Even when you like, F up, like just own it and be like, all right, here we go. I got frustrated again for the seventh time in the last 45 minutes. Okay, let's try to do six times next hour. You know, it's just, it's a process. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's a good answer too. And that's, um, you know, a lot of the feedback I'll get uh, from some of my teachers. One of them is like uh, Dave, David Lone Bear is Native American, but he's just like, you're always so hard on yourself. And I heard it put differently from someone, maybe it was on Russell Brand's podcast or something, but it was just the idea that we're just like, humans are just not perfect. At, you know, we are just flawed and we're beating ourselves up for like who we are. It's like getting mad at ourselves because we can't fly. Like part of this you know, uh, emotional state and turmoil is, is the, uh, is, is just part of who we are. And I think the center point is just observing, you know, me get angry rather than attached to the anger. And then it, it carries on too far because the emotional states are just what happens. You know, if you go down the street and I see like a, a dog get hurt or something, I'll feel bad for the dog or like there's a death in the family. I'll feel sad, right? That's an emotional state. You don't center your way and right? Go into, you go way too far one way where you're just so zenned out that you're not even there. You're not being uh, a human, you know, you feel the rain on your, your head and then you fall on your ass and slip and then it's funny. And then life is kind of unfolding. And then you're frustrated because you're trying to build the house, but you can't get the tree to chop down. So now you're pissed off and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's ludicrous, but some people um, over time can develop like, I'd say mental acuity, like a bit of a center way where they can laugh at themselves and go through it in a little bit of a lighter way, in a little bit of a different way. And I think that for me, that's what I'm learning to do and I've been trying to do is just go through it in a little lighter of a process. Um, but also, you know, one of the things that helps me and even just talking this out is, is setting the foundation, is making sure that I get some sort of fitness, uh, making sure that my work is meaningful to me um, and doing something that matters. All of that really helps like when I go to sleep at night to feel like I've done something, even though when I work all day and I feel like I've done nothing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't work all day. I feel like I've done nothing because I've got 50 projects in my mind. And so that helps as I move through that process. So I don't know if you want to comment that or I'm just really just helping myself over here. No, it's it. That's it. I mean, it's just a process. And I used to get so hard on myself for so many different reasons. And now I just realize I just need to do stuff. And there's, you know, and I agree with you. It's like, we're supposed to be human, right? So for those people that get divinity a little bit, we're not divine. We're not supposed to be in that state 24 seven yet. We're supposed to be human, right? And so for me, it's really about, um, you know, creativity is a great example. I used to think that me having creative thoughts was actually an attachment that I had to get rid of. So that's how extreme I went. Yeah, that sounds bizarre, right? <laughs> so, 
So now I realize like, no, uh, creativity and creative thoughts are things that I just have to manifest, I have to do. So a good example would be the salt cave. I don't know if you sat in the salt cave yet. It's super cool. Next time you're in Tempe, you need to check it out. But the salt cave was in my head for five or six years. And it was always in the back of my head. And it, it took me two months to build this thing. Obviously, I had help. Uh, but it's this beautiful salt cave. It's halotherapy. 10,000 pounds of Himalayan rock salt. Uh, and it's just beautiful. You walk in this thing. You don't feel like you're in the desert. You feel like you're in an alternative universe in this magical crystalline salt cave breathing sodium chloride vaporized. And it's insane. Um, but the, it, the irony is the moment I finished it, I didn't walk in for three weeks because I forgot about it. That sounds weird. I forgot about it because I had created it. That was what I was supposed to do. Now I go enjoy it. But for me, it's about, okay, what are the things I, I must do? And I have a friend, uh, Henry, that was talking about this. And he, Henry Dotson, he was saying, you know, what is, what is the thing I must do? And you don't even need to know why you must do it. And I'm not talking bad things. Like I must punch you in the face right now, right? <laughs> like stuff from the heart, right? Like, I love the people who would interpret it like that. Sorry, right? sir. <laughs> I must do this. This is my biggest realization of the day. With that mustache yours, you're not even going to argue. If somebody looked at me with that mustache and said I must, they'd be like, well, I guess, man. Okay, good, sir. Go, go for it. <laughs> Uh, the battle is on but that's it so for me it's just about I now do things that I feel that I I must do it's just that simple and it's like and that's where the show comes in right so floaters again it's been in my head for five years and I was like oh I just have to write this thing so I spent you know 100 hours writing it and now it's like we're in the audition stage and it's just a show uh, that kind of pokes fun at the stigma of floating but then it goes through, there's Alpha Centurion aliens in the show that have lived on Earth for uh, you know, 40 years and they're undercover and they're gonna come out and talk about how aliens exist and advanced technologies. There's people, there's a Navy SEAL that's going through PTSD, right? So all these beautiful themes now where I can kind of funnel all of my creativity into one project. So for me, it's like this outlet. So for me as a creative person, it's just I have to have a creative outlet and I'm a terrible singer. I don't do woodworking, um, which I tried to do, but I built like some little thing and I was like, ah, that takes a lot of time. I'm not going to mess with that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just about creative outlets and just feeling good manifesting. And they don't necessarily need to have a successful purpose. Like I must reach this goal. It's not about the goal. It's about doing the, the, creative, the creative work. And for me, once the creative work's done, I move on to the next project. Yeah, man, absolutely. You you really made some excellent points there. I'm trying to phrase it well. I don't know if my brain is that way. <laughs> but uh, just about being in the creative process. It's the process of creating and our minds attach an expectation. And that's also comparison among all of society of the world. You know, you right. make a piece of art and it's got to be this much money and it's as good as this person's or whatever, or you need this many Instagram followers or whatever the case is. And I think that what you're talking about there, which is so fundamental, is to create to create. What must I do? What am I inspired to do in spirit? You know, what, what, what must I do? What, what do I want to create? And just do that. You know what I mean? Do those things and follow your inspiration. And um, you can do that with a nine to five job with working 40 hours a week. It doesn't have to be, you know, when I was younger and, and just younger, I was like, yeah, 
lose a job or whatever, you know, and like, it doesn't matter, but you could, you know, you could do the 40 hours, but the thing is we do all the one way and we forget about any inspiration or must do or what we're, what we're inspired to do, you know, add 10% and then 20% and then start brainstorming and problem solving how you might do four days a week and do three. Right. Because what happens is you start to identify more about what you value doing, who you really are, how you want to express. And it unfolds over time. And there's never an end goal. You're always creating because you're a creator. And so can you do it with peace, ease and grace and compassion for yourself and others? That is challenging, but you know, do your best at that. And I think if you're doing meaningful work, inspiring work for you by your own definition, you're going to be uh, mostly on the right track and, and the universe and nature and spirit's going to kind of unfold with you on its team. And it's not going to be like any easier per se. It's just a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely agree. No, that's great. Uh, so much. We could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, dude, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Like, you know, you just as a human being, knowing you from before and, and everything that you're doing, you know, your project people for blacklist that don't know this, but you're putting in your own money and you lost it. So thanks for giving it a shot. You know, but that's what it takes. You know, you went all in and you're, you're trying, you know, and it didn't, yeah, I think it, you know, you learned a lot, but you actually did something. A lot of people will think about how to help or, or what to do. It doesn't necessarily meet, need to be successful to be valuable. You know, you're defining your own character. So after, after all of that, I did have to shoot off a couple rounds at the, uh, at the range. <laughs> so there goes my money anger bullets. It's Arizona for you. I was just like, all right, meditator guy. <laughs> Trying to do a little better. That's all right. Now. Oh wow! Yeah, see, you go to the float tank, you get a float tank, you get all zen out, and then you just grab an AK forty-seven. <laughs> you know, you're 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 the modern American, bro. This you're nine mil. This is a nine millimeter. That's all. <laughs> it's a CZ seventy-five. That's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. The only gun I ever shot was in Cambodia, and it was like some I, the one with they have the the holes in it it's like i don't know if it's an ak-47 and it looked really cool though and it was like ten dollars and they said for 350 bucks <laughs> it was wait for 250 bucks american i could shoot a rocket launcher and for four hundred dollars <laughs> i could shoot a cow but i almost did the rocket launcher you shoot the mountain i didn't want to shoot a cow but i was like man and i i, I knew i was gonna regret it and i did i was traveling through asia and i had a budget but i was like when in my life am i gonna be able to shoot a rocket launcher and the second that i fired it I realized why all those sayings go along with it. It is pretty, pretty awesome. At least you realize that you're like, Ooh, that was a bad idea. Let's not, let's not fire that at each other anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely not at the cow, man. I was not going to, but you can blow up a cow in Cambodia for 400 bucks us. I don't know if that's still happening, but that blew my mind. I was just on a regular day in a foreign country. And all of a sudden that experience popped into <laughs> my reality as a possibility, some crazy stuff. Um, but my friend, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, uh, you know, you're, you're such a good ambassador for, um, entrepreneurship and somebody who is actually doing their best to make a difference. Uh, you have a lot of integrity, a lot of compassion. So, uh, I admire you as a person and a friend. Is there anything that you wish that we had talked about or that you want to uh, leave the listeners with? I don't think so. I think that's a good, a good summary. So yeah, just thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was a, a pleasure. And, um, yeah, next time you're in Arizona, let's, Let's do a float. Hundred percent. I will check out your your cave. Sounds magical. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Okay, brother. brother. See you later. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace. 
All right, guys, that wraps up that amazing episode with Nick Janicki. I hope that you enjoyed it, that you learned a lot about floating, that you learned a lot about the organ harvesting and the travesty that is going on in China right now. I highly recommend you go to www.itnj.org. There is a petition there that you can sign that brings awareness to this. Um, Share this episode if you enjoyed it, leaving a review on iTunes. Um, All of that is great stuff. If you're interested in coaching and you want to level up and you want and you have no idea where you're going if you want to figure out that inspiring vision something's calling you you want to get crystal clear on your vision and you want to have the tools and tactics to make it a reality um, there are courses for that so you can just hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com or fill out the coaching form at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and also for those of you guys who are entrepreneurs you're already in business and you want to create team synergy mindfulness and business or you really want to learn those peak performance techniques and tactics same thing hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com and i will happily help you out thank you to every single one of my supporters on patreon i truly appreciate it thank you for everyone who's left a review who shared and all of that good stuff if you go over to mattbelair.com forward slash lucid dreaming you'll be able to download a free ebook and a guided meditation to help you lucid dream quickly and easily and i think that wraps it up so i hope that you're having an amazing day and uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence together so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling yourself with peace, joy, contentment, personal empowerment, energy, and enthusiasm, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.